Word of God. If you, ha- if you have your copy of God's Word, turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Like Grant said, we're going to continue our series here in the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes are the beginning of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. These Beatitudes are not a to-do list or uh, a checklist, but these Beatitudes are more like characteristics of a Christian. And as you read through them, you'll see these characteristics with corresponding rewards. If you've been with us the past few Wednesdays, you've probably heard people like Grant and Simeon and Jerry Parrish preach through these characteristics. And tonight, I have the privilege of preaching Matthew 5, 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. So if you have Matthew 5, 7, I'd like to actually start in Matthew 4, verse 23, and read through Matthew 5, verse 7. Matthew 4, starting in verse 23. And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Let's go to God in prayer. Our great God, you are slow to anger. You are merciful and compassionate, abounding in steadfast love. We don't deserve your mercy. We don't deserve your compassion. We don't deserve your love. We deserve your wrath, but we have received grace. Lord God, I pray that you would hide me behind the cross. Speak through me this evening. Give us hearts to receive and ears to hear. Teach us mercy by the power of your spirit through your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. In Victor Hugo's novel-turned-movie Les Mis, we are introduced to a character named Jean Valjean. Jean Valjean is a hardened prisoner with a soul full of anger. Valjean's heart has been hardened by society and harsh prison conditions. Jean Valjean's crime was stealing bread for his niece. He was sentenced to 19 years in prison. After his release, he found himself haunted by shame, unforgiveness, and grief. Valjean, he struggled with these fits of rage, and he felt cursed. And if this wasn't bad enough, he tried the good guy role. He tried to reintegrate himself into society, but because he's an ex-prisoner, he faces rejection at every turn. Valjean can't catch a break. 
He can't find a job because he's a convict. As Valjean, Valjean Rome, roams, he finds the hospitality of a Catholic bishop. The Catholic bishop, he brings a lonely, broken Valjean in for the night. And y'all know what Valjean does. He steals from the bishop. He repays the hospitality of the bishop by stealing all his fancy silverware, all the bowls, all the plates, all the butter knives, forks, and the spoons. Valjean takes off into the night. Valjean is soon caught by the police and brought back to the church. And here is where the story gets interesting. Jean Valjean, held in the arms of these two big policemen, they stand in front of the bishop. Jean Valjean is guilty. And then the bishop looks them all in the face and says, what is the problem? The silver was a gift to Valjean. And then the bishop says, and this is what gets me, my dear Valjean, on your exit, you forgot to take the silver candlesticks, which are mo worth more than the silverware. This lie, the bishop tells, it spares Valjean. It keeps him from going to prison for what would have been the rest of his life. Later in the play, the bishop says to Valjean, by the passion in the blood, God has raised you out of darkness. This mercy that Valjean receives, it changes his life forever. Valjean, he breaks out in singing. He sings this song. He says, take eye for an eye. Turn your heart to stone. This is all I have ever known. One word from the bishop, and I'd be back. Beneath the lash, under the rack. But he, the bishop, offers me freedom. In light of the mercy, Jean Valjean is thrown into the depravity of his sins. The mercy offered to him by the bishop changes his life forever. He becomes a man of mercy. Mercy changes people. More specifically, God's mercy changes people. First Peter 1.3 says, Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Valjean was shown mercy, and he had his hope renewed. He was rewarded a second chance. But Park Baptist, if you are a believer in here tonight, we have been shown mercy. We have been born again, and our hope is not in a second chance. Our hope is in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who raised him from the dead so that he would be our merciful and faithful high priest. This type of salvation, this type of life change is possible for sinners because God is rich in mercy. Mercy changes people. When sinners comprehend their total depravity and experience the extravagant, undeserved mercy and grace of God out of humility, they become merciful. And so Jesus says in Matthew 5, 7, blessed are the merciful, 
for they shall receive mercy. Now, this is not to be read as a cause and effect. Jesus is not saying, if you go and show mercy, I will make sure you receive mercy. This is not cause and effect. Stick with me here. The merciful ones are merciful because they've been shown mercy. Amen? The merciful are blessed because God has changed their life, and on the last day they will receive mercy. Mercy is to mark their life. They are characterized by mercy. And so this evening we will talk about mercy. Mercy comes in many forms, and tonight I want to unpack three ways that Christians show mercy. Three ways that Christians show mercy. First, Christians show mercy by showing kindness to the helpless and needy. Christians show mercy by showing kindness to the helpless and needy. When we show kindness by helping the helpless and giving to the needy, we are being merciful. When we relieve human suffering of any kind, we are being merciful. However, some would argue that we should put all of our efforts into satisfying a person's spiritual needs and think less of their physical suffering. For those people, I would have them consider Matthew 8:3, when the leper kneels before Jesus and Jesus says, Lord, I mean, and the leper says, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretches out his hand and touches him and says, I will be clean. For those that would argue with me, I would have them consider Matthew 15, 32, when Jesus calls his disciples and he says, I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and they have nothing to eat. I am unwilling to send them away hungry lest they faint on the way. If someone were to argue that spiritual needs are the most important thing ever and physical needs is a no-no, I would have them read Matthew 25, 34. Hear what the text says. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink, or a stranger and show you hospitality, or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. You were showing me mercy. Then the king, he will turn to those on his left, and he will say, away with you. 
you cursed ones, into the eternal fire, prepare for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry, and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty, and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger, and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked, and you did not give me clothing. I was sick and in prison, and you didn't visit me. You did not show me mercy. You did not help me when I needed it. Then they will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty? And he will answer, I tell you the truth, when you refuse to help the least of these, the helpless and the needy, my brothers and sisters, you were, you were refusing to help me. Park Baptist, let it not be said about us that we ignore the physical needs of people. Charles Spurgeon once said, there was a time when a person met a Christian they met a helper. Let us be a people who help the helpless and give to the needy, because that is mercy. There are many forms of mercy. Mercy can be a loving forbearance of the sin of others. Mercy can be a loving forbearance of the sins of others. Now, forbearance isn't a word that we use often. Forbearance, in my opinion, it means patience with endurance and self-restraint. Patience with endurance and self-restraint. So when we, when we are consistently and constantly inconvenienced by someone else's sin— and we handle them with patience and with restraint, we are being merciful. When we are patiently enduring the sins of other people, we are being merciful. When our friends and our family offend us with their sin, we are called to love them and endure with them and be patient with them and restrain from retaliating. And that is mercy. Jesus, he modeled this perfectly. On the eve of his crucifixion, the apostle Peter, he says, Jesus, I will never forsake you. I will never leave you. Right after reassuring Jesus, Peter denies Jesus. He abandons him. But Jesus, he anticipated Peter's denial. And so Jesus had already been praying for Peter. When Peter denied Jesus, Jesus wasn't boiling with rage. He wasn't angry. He wasn't resentful. Jesus was contemplating Peter's restoration. So how do we react to being sinned against? How do we handle offense? How do we act when our expectations are not met? Do we hold it against one another? Do we dress one another in bitterness and resentfulness? Do we give the cold shoulder? Or do we allow love to cover a multitude of sins? Or do we play the victim? Now, y'all are an upright and holy kind of folk. I know y'all here at Park Baptist. Y'all are not like me. I'm going to confess, I play the victim. I have a tendency to see myself as the noble one. I see myself as innocent. And when I have been wronged, when I have been harmed, when I've been sinned against, all I can focus on is how I've laid my life down for this person, how I have served them, how I don't deserve this. 
Y'all know what I'm not thinking about? I'm not thinking about how I desire grace and mercy for the moments I sin. Y'all know what I'm not thinking about? I'm not thinking about how my sins, how my ignorance, how my immaturity might have contributed to the situation. Y'all know what else I'm not thinking about? I'm not thinking about all the ways I have offended the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ has redeemed our life from the pit and rescued us from the consequences of our sin. Jesus has given us extravagant grace to fight and to stumble into sin, and yet we dishonor him in thought, word, and deed on a daily basis. We have offended God even today. And he keeps no record of wrong. He covers our sin with the blood of Jesus. He separates our sins as far as the east is from the west. He gives us new mercies every morning. Park Baptist, is it not good news that God doesn't keep a record of wrong? Is it not good news that God covers our sins with love? Is it not good news that God anticipated our sin and provided us propitiation through which we have received mercy? This is good news, Park Baptist, that Jesus doesn't remember our wrong. It's in the sea of forgetfulness. And so Jesus lovingly forbears our sin. Therefore, we should lovingly forbear the sins of others. Somewhere in the scriptures it says, he who has been forgiven much, forgives much. As you can see, mercy takes multiple forms. Mercy is showing kindness to the needy. Mercy is lovingly enduring the sins of others. But lastly, mercy is also evangelizing a lost and dying world. Mercy is evangelizing a lost and dying world. When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He healed their diseases and afflictions because Jesus was compassionate. Jesus wanted to relieve human suffering. But Jesus isn't just concerned with relieving temporary suffering. Jesus loves us so much that he wants to relieve eternal suffering. Jesus said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Family, this right here is the pinnacle of mercy. This is mercy at its climax. God has made us his laborers. And the harvest are the lost. They are the broken. They are the needy. They are the helpless. And Jesus, he wants so eagerly for us, his laborers, to mediate the mercy of God through the gospel message. Paul says in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God to save. 
Christ's bride, the church, the family of God, has been entrusted with this power to relieve eternal suffering. And it happens through sharing the gospel. Park Baptist, here's good news. We are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. But for what purpose did God redeem us? Peter says, it is so that we would proclaim the excellencies of Jesus who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. To proclaim the excellencies of Jesus. God has transformed us by his grace so that we could be a priesthood mediating the mercy of God through the gospel message. Acts 13, 47 says, For so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Sharing the gospel to lost people is handing out relief from sin and eternal punishment. Sharing the gospel to lost people is like handing them relief from everything that haunts them. It's handing them relief from eternal punishment and sin, relief from what separates them from God. The power to do that is in you. God has entrusted you with the good deposit, the gospel. Mercy is us evangelizing lost people in spite of our anxiety, in spite of our awkwardness, in spite of our fear, in spite of our differences. Mercy is looking at a lost person, and instead of, instead of feeling angry or bitter or disgusted at their sin, we feel compassion because they are sheep without a shepherd, harmed and harassed, bound for hell. The ultimate show of mercy is sharing the gospel and providing a lost person with the opportunity to repent and be shown the mercy of God. I mean, it happened to us. We ain't always been perfect. Peter says, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So the next time you see that troublesome kid, the next time you see that homosexual or transgender person, that conservative, that liberal, that sketchy homeless man, that gangster. For some of you, it might be your in-laws. <laughs> Remember, they are sheep without a shepherd, and they need mercy. As I begin to close, I want to make something abundantly clear. We are not a people who work for God's mercy. Our mercy on the last day, judgment day, is not contingent on how we've dispensed mercy. Matthew 5, 7 teaches us that Christians are merciful people, and they will receive mercy from God on judgment day because they received mercy through repentance. Christians are merciful people, 
and they will receive mercy from God on judgment day because they received mercy through repentance. And family, when we fail to show mercy, and we will fail to show mercy, if you married, say amen. When you can't find it in yourself to forgive, Hebrews 2.14 through 17 says this, Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he, Jesus, himself, likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has, power, has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Now, here's my favorite part. This is the sweet part. For surely it is not the angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. Jesus has destroyed the evil one. We are no longer slaves to our bitterness. We are no longer slaves to our resentfulness. We are no longer slaves to offense. Jesus has been tempted just as we are. Jesus, he is here to help us overcome our sin, to overcome our resentfulness, to overcome offense, to reconcile us to one another. Jesus has given us all mercy. Jesus is your merciful and faithful high priest. Turn to him for comfort. Turn to him for help as you seek to be merciful. Let's go to God in prayer. Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's true. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that changes us. Comfort our hearts tonight, Lord God. Let us not be a people who seek to retaliate or vindicate ourselves. Lord, I pray for our marriages, husbands and wives. I pray that they would be kind to one another. I pray that they would lovingly endure with each other when expectations aren't met. I pray for parents, that they showed mercy to their children. I pray that parents would forbear with their children's inadequacies. I pray for our church that we'd have a renewed zeal for evangelism. I pray that we wouldn't be critical or, ju or judgmental. I pray that we would see the lost and broken people like sheep without a shepherd. Help us to empty the storehouses of bitterness and unforgiveness in our heart. Teach us mercy by your spirit, God. Lord, make this word stick to our bones. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.